You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today uh, is my cousin who I love, Glenn Novell. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you. Um, so Glenn is a police officer, retired uh, not long ago. And, you know, our family was really tight. Uh, Glenn's father and my dad were brothers. There was four brothers and two sisters. But Glenn was one of the uh, guys I always looked forward to on the, the family reunions. Um, we had a lot of fun. I won't get into the stuff we used to do, but uh, he is my first police officer that I've had on. So I'm kind of excited to get deeper into the uh, life behind that career. Um, Glenn, what I'll do is I'll just let you kind of um, talk about what you did. I'd like to, I'll ask the questions, but kind of get into like how you got into it, uh, how long you've been doing it, where you did it, and then we'll just kind of take it from there. All right. So I'm pretty much out of high school, went to go uh, be in the Marine Corps, and uh, through the course of my physical, they realized I had a heart murmur. So it took a year to get a waiver from Washington, but by the time that was concluded, I decided, what do I want to do with my life? And uh, it was one of those that I didn't know if I was going to follow after my dad's footsteps. You know, I was a cop for 27 years, and after that, I was like, yeah. So I ended up for three years, worked full-time as a mechanic, rebuilding semi-transmissions and went to night school for three years until I graduated with my associate's degree. And right out of 90, I started working immediately at a small town police department down uh, in Southwest Michigan. Uh, and then in 92, I transferred up to Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, worked for the Kent County Sheriff's Department where the course of my 25 years there, I worked uh, in corrections, uh, narcotics, road patrol, and community policing until uh, um, hit my 25-year mark and we're eligible. We weren't age-restrictive on our pensions, so uh, it's one of the allures of getting into pen, uh, law enforcement is that you are able typically to retire at a younger age than most people. Yeah. And now all you do is just travel the world like a rock star. <laughs> I see. Uh, okay. So let me, you know, I know you and I are close to age and it, it may have changed, but rewinding it. So you, you were in high school in Kalamazoo and then, you know, your dad was the sheriff of Kalamazoo. Was there just, was there pressure? Was he ever like, son, you should do what I did. Or was he like, I don't care what you do, whatever you want to do is fine. Or did you feel pressure to follow him? No, he, by all means, he was like, go to, go into, do something else other than law enforcement where you can make some good money. You okay. know, if you're going in, if you're looking at law enforcement, you're not going to be a, a rich person. You're going to make a decent living, but, uh, it, you know, he, he encouraged to go do something else. But it, then the more I got into it, the more I truly, that's what my passion was. So, I mean, I give the example, I go in high school, I uh, was the smartest. <laughs> uh, squeaked through, but in college, I graduated on the Dean's list and people are sitting there and it was just a, you know, a topic that you enjoyed learning about. So you kind of, you sucked in the knowledge and all that stuff where people are calling me a brain going, you got a hundred on that test. And I'm thinking, 
man, this why it wasn't rocket science, you know, like, but it was just a something when you're passionate about it, you tend to absorb it and remember it there. So yeah, I think that's a good point because um I, you know, nothing against the Navelle family, but I wasn't a I wasn't the smartest guy or the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> I was a hard worker. I figured out how to like outwit. And, uh, but I will tell you, like, I, I worked pretty hard. School was stressful for me. I had to work my ass off to get good grades. And then I remember in between careers, I was in, I was in the technology. Then I went, I thought I wanted to go work with kids as a psychologist. So I got into a doctorate program it was seven years and the first two and a half years or whatever, I was basically a 4.0 student. Uh, I ended up not going down that road, but it's interesting because if you're watching Glenn right now and listening, pay attention to like the reality of when you're like into what you're doing, like you have a natural interest around it. Uh, it really changes it for you. Like if you're faking a job and you don't like what you're doing, you know, uh, it's going to be an exhausting race to run. But, you know, I like what you said because you, you were into it and you did well in it. Um, when you like what so what is like the rule how do you get into being a police officer nowadays so do you have to have a college degree no it used to be um used to be a minimum of an associate's degree typically well uh through the course of these last you know five years um law enforcement has declined and i'll give the example like when i applied back in the sheriff's department in 1990 I mean, they would have several thousand applicants for a handful of jobs. And nowadays, just because of the lack of interest and the negative publicity on law enforcement, uh, we may be hiring 15 and we are struggling to get 15, 20 applicants for the job. So now what uh, a lot of agencies are doing is seeking lateral transfers and saying, hey, you know, you're unhappy here, come work for us. And with if you have six years of experience, we'll start you off at top pay. So um, that, that's one of the things that uh, they're, they're doing now to create a little more interest uh, uh, in getting in law enforcement. So it's one of the okay. few, like my side job, and like I said, and we'll get into some pensions of uh, why it's more lucrative, like uh, my sheriff's department that I looked into, it's called a defined benefit pension. So defined benefit, um, it's not a 401 driven pension system. When I retire, I get X amount of money per month, every single month. So it's not based off profits of the thing. So there are a number of agencies that have a defined benefit versus a defined contribution so like contribution like the part that it's not good is that you have a stock market crash three years before you retire and here you thought you were going to retire at age 55 and now you're having to work until age 65 or 70 so um it's one of the things that a defined benefit pension uh People that are familiar with them, um, they love coming to work for agencies like that. So, yeah, we'll get into the compensation in a little bit. I think it's really interesting to kind of, you know, I tell my audience anytime you're getting into a career, not exactly like understand what you're going to get paid, but also how you're going to get paid. You know, like, are you, is it a commission job where you get paid every month or is it a commission job where you build a book of business? 
like an annuity. Um, the pension thing, though, I remember my dad was always freaked out as a pilot about losing his pension. Um, but let's just okay. So rewind again. Going coming out of school, let's just say you have a a young woman. Uh, she has a college degree, goes out in the work world, isn't happy, and now she's 26, 27, and she's like, "I want to be a police officer." How quickly can that happen? Is it like a year, two? Now what they have is just it's a seventeen week police academy. So it's Monday through Friday. It's you know probably ten hour days, um, and in the course of the seventeen weeks, it is school from you know sunrise to sunset, and it's you cover everything in the seventeen weeks. And like agencies like that, they just drool over people that we've had multiple that aren't happy in their career choice and that are 30 years old and decide they want to be a police officer and they've got a good driving history, clean criminal history. Um, and after 17 weeks, you're going to come into an agency and they'll pay you um, your hourly wage benefits, all this for the entire 17 weeks. And then you come in and depending on the agency's training process, like at our agency, it would probably be three and a half months minimum of training with another officer. So you've got pretty much four phases where phase one, you'd come in and work with a training officer one-on-one, -on -one, do that for a month. Then they go to number two for a month, number three for a month. And then that person comes back for two weeks, a shadow phase with me as uh, they want to see how you've progressed through the course of those three months of training to make sure you're capable because in law enforcement, nobody knows everything all the time. There's just so many unique things that, but you need to find a resource or a way to find those answers. And that's what they want you to have a true understanding of. So it probably from the time you start 17 weeks plus another uh, three and a half months, and then you could be out working on your own. I wonder if you could actually get hired with your history, if you were starting over. <laughs> well, they have, nowadays, yes. Uh, maybe back in the day, uh, they may take a second look at a few things uh, from back in the day. Oh, boy. I don't know if I could get hired. Um, <laughs> so, okay, so you had the advantage of growing up, seeing your dad, like, knowing the lifestyle. Um, so you had a familiarity with the career. Is there anything like, let's say 10, 15 years into the career, anything that surprised you like, whoa, you know, I didn't see this coming. Didn't see it with my dad, good and bad. Like what was something that like you learned that you really didn't like about the career? And is there something that you've kind of learned that you loved about it? Yeah. And I, I turn around towards the, I just love it because it's not like factory work. You go into work, you don't predict. You have no idea what's going to happen. You can assume, but the allure of it is that no two days are the same. You know, you go you go into work and start your shift. You can start off right out of your shoot in a high speed chase. Uh, you know, uh, domestic, and it's just one of those things that I loved about it is that you just. You couldn't predict your schedule and, you know, working in a factory or, you know, whatever, if that's your forte, it's this, but you know, that I'm going to do this 300 times through the course of my shift. And that was something that, you know, I, while I went to school, I was rebuilding semi transmissions and I'm like, 
you know, it paid the bills and all that, but it, I knew at the end of the tunnel that I wasn't going to do that for the rest of my life. So it's just the uniqueness of it that, and you have so many different umbrellas in a, a bigger agency. You have narcotics, you have road patrol, community policing, the tag team, mounted unit, dive teams. So, I mean, you're not just going to technically be a road patrol uniform police officer your whole career. Uh, you know, detectives playing clothes, detectives are, you can work your way through the ranks. Um, there's just an abundance of different opportunities. And I tell people in the course of my 27 years, I go, I don't think there was ever a time where I was like, I gotta yeah, to go into work. It was, you know, hey, I'm going into work. See ya. And it was just one of those things that how nice is it when you go in and spend your career and it's not dreading the night before going into work because you hate your job. So it yeah. is one of those things that truly that's the one of the biggest things that I remember. And I mean, I retired. I was a school resource officer in the schools and just the bonds you make. And I, I mean, I tell people the story. I'd bring my daughter to the football games. Uh, and when she played at University of Cincinnati, two of the kids that I knew were actually out there. And my daughter sent me a pic after the game that they were at her game because they knew that Cincinnati was playing playing at Arizona State. You know, they met him, and it's just one of those we still talk to these days. They all these kids and mentors, and I mean, like any profession, you've got some doorknob police officers that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But the vast majority I, you know, ever worked with are humble, decent people that are in it for the right reasons. But it's the couple percent that uh, give all the good officers a bad name. Yeah, no, I get. I think that's similar in a lot of industries. Um, what's interesting when you're talking, I'm thinking about all the different flavors, like, so, you know, there's different ways to do your job. And so it sounds like when you get involved, go through the initial, you know, the, uh, the training and all of that, you get exposed to the different options that, you know, the different, you know, road patrol, uh, you know, you under, you said, see, what was it? Underwater diving? Yeah. You have dive teams, tag teams, you know, the yeah. tactical response team. I mean, and there's just. Division that we have people assigned to the uh, like FBI task force, the DEA task force, um, auto theft teams. So, you know, there's an, and especially the bigger department you go to, the more opportunities there are. Granted, if you're going to a, you know, a six person department, they're not going to have those opportunities. But, uh, you know, uh, if some people enjoy the small town police, rule that they know everybody and you know and different people have different wants and needs so some yeah. like to hustle bustle and working in the uh in the cities and you know truly chasing bad guys and some prefer the small town okay. rural police officer so is it hard though like do people get loyal like i'm in a say a certain group and then I get bored or I want to try something different. Is that like, do people get pissed off when like, I can't believe you're going to that group, you know, you're part of our group, or is it just one of those things people have the freedom to do whatever they want? Yeah, totally the freedom. So, I mean, you'll turn around and some, uh, like, you know, when I was in the narcotics unit, there was a high demand for that because it's plain clothes, it's undercover work. Yeah, I mean, and at times you'd work up, you know, a lot of hours, you know, I, I think we're talking back in 
98, 99, uh, part of 2000, I was in narcotics, you know, I get to figure out, I mean, I was making $30,000 a year and just overtime, you know, working narcotics. So it was just one of those things where the work was fun because you're just truly chasing down, you know, bag. We didn't care most about, you know, Billy selling dime yeah. bags on me. We were, you know, going after uh, suppliers and the, the bigger markets. So it's, it, yeah, it was just a fun career. So you're going after Cousin Vince. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still calling in tips on them, but they, they haven't uh, followed up on it, evidently. If Vince watches, hi, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was Cousin Pat. Um, so what about the job? Like, you know, it's not like you're being negative. Is there anything about the job that you're like, if I could just erase this, this I hated this part of it. Is there something like, yeah. Yeah, you, you get these phone calls, you know, and the any time of the day, night, and police officers spend more time being counselors and, you know, marriage and therapists than they do anything else. And we get called, you know, time and time again for, and you have to go there. And if there wasn't an assault, try to rectify the situation to make both parties happy, you know, maybe get one to leave, you know, and it's just one of those things. So, I mean, it's, I mean, there's time and time again where child custody exchanges that every single time they met, they had to have a police officer there because it just got so ugly. And it's just, like I said, with police, you end up spending, you know, a lot of time and uh, trying to resolve issues in relationships. Yeah. No, I hear you. I remember in psychology, we do a lot of, um, um, I want to say role plays, but I realized how much, like if I was working with a young kid, it was being abused by his dad. I I mean, like I would go knock on the door and, and, you know, I knew I couldn't do that job. It was just like with my temperament, I was like, I can't, I can't ignore this stuff. Right. And you're supposed to. So I would think that would be very hard because you have to kind of be, uh, I don't want to say politically correct, but you can't, you know, you can't punch a guy that's being abusive to a son. I mean, just can't Mm -hmm. do that. Um, it's an interesting thing. So how do you like psychology, psychologically, like, how did you turn it off? Because, you know, when I go to job, my job or my career, I'm helping people with real estate financing, not very dangerous, not very scary. Uh, good chance I'm coming home. What about like, how often did that get in your head? Like, you know, you're one bullet away, maybe from not coming home. Did you were you ever, did you ever think like that? Or did you just kind of like, I mean, how did you survive mentally in such a stressful career? Yeah. I, because I, I'm one of the rare that I just, I enjoyed the unknown, the quick witted, quick decisions, the quick this, the, I just enjoyed it, you know, and it was one of those things I was lucky enough that, you know, I turned around and, some people have struggled with that. That I, I mean, all of a sudden here, two hours before you go home, you're at a fatal car crash where there's four dead bodies, including children lying there in the road and you're policing it and you come home and, you know, got to mow the grass, take care of your dinner. And I was able to leave work at work. And, you know, and a lot of people struggle with that because I mean, like you said, you know, I, I tell people all the time that live around here that, 
you truly have no idea what goes on out here. You know, you just see what's on the news. And I'm like, there are a lot of evil, evil people out there that do some horrific, disgusting things. And I go, that's, I love chasing down the bad guys. So, I mean, I, that was one of the things, especially the bad ones. I mean, there, I went through a point where I think I totaled out about five cruisers and high-speed chases because uh, back in the day, we could ram the pit maneuver um, and take them out and catch them. And it's just a, those are one reports that you never mind spending two hours doing a report because everything you do has to be well-documented, you know, for potentially a criminal case years down the road. So I, yeah. I just, uh, that part, I, I, I loved it, you know, but like I said, some people struggle with it, but I know there's been police officers that, you know, started have gone places and saw the first, uh, I think it was down in Kalamazoo. My dad was telling me a gal, like her first week out on her own had a fatal car crash and, uh, they, uh, was a, uh, pedestrian car, but she ended up fine discovering the person's head embedded in the grill, uh, decapitated the person and quit law enforcement. Like, uh, you know, so it's one of those things that people, I, you got to prep yourself because you're the professional that everybody looks up to in a incident like that to be calm, cool, collect, and hey, we need this, get this, you know, got to look beyond that it's a horrific thing. You, you've got to get what needs to be done, done. Yeah, I get it. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about that because... I don't know how you measure that or identify one's ability to be able to handle that. Like in a test, like you don't know till you know, like I would think that someone may think they're prepared to see that kind of stuff. Um, I did a podcast with a firefighter and he's like, I, I never was trained for the smells, you know, yeah. and, and the, uh, and just like that, and like the smells, that's interesting, but like, that's an interesting one. So if you're thinking about being a police officer, do you have any advice on like how one would try to figure out if they're built for the, the, the stuff that you see that you don't really want to talk about at parties? Cause hey, like, I, I don't know how you do that. And I think nowadays, a lot of these places will let you do like, if let's just say hypothetically, you decide you want to be a police officer right now. And there's probably plenty that would do uh, you clear an initial little background check and then you could come do a handful of ride alongs. You know, you're not going to be carrying a gun, but you're just a civilian ride along that you can kind of see firsthand because, you know, and it takes a person. I mean, you need to have deductive reasoning, common sense in a split second decision. Um, otherwise you see, you know, the news here lately, the last number of years that, uh, when you don't have it, it, it can be catastrophic for law enforcement. So, yep. it, I mean, it's just a multitude of things that, I mean, you get it, you love it, you love catching, but then now you got to be good at, uh, communicating that through, a typing a police report, you know, because somebody else is going to be reading that report. That's going to authorize the charges down the road. So, it's, you know, people just think they go out and write tickets and do this. You know, I'm like in a fatal car crashes. There's a multitude of things of measurements and photographs, the computer regeneration of the, of the scene, because it's going to be a part of civil lawsuits down the road and, you know, in criminal cases. So it's, it's 
like I said, when you go in and work, it, I mean, you could be, you know, on a call for two, three hours and then you're done. You could have two, three hours of paperwork, you know, just off that one thing of uh, clearing that off it. So it's, but yeah, yeah like I said, you can kind of tell, like if somebody's, I don't know, I, I struggle like, if it, common sense, when you have a conversation with somebody with 15 minutes and hey, talk to me, like plenty of police interviews, it wasn't ask you to find questions. It's just like, let's see how you communicate. And one of my yep. first interviews, the guy's like, we're not even going to talk law enforcement. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. You know, I want to see how well you communicate and have a, a 30 minute conversation of tell me about you, your family, this, that, and the other. And then if they decided off that and they liked you, and then you went on to a formal interview where it was more uh, law enforcement specific. So, yeah, no, I get it. It's sometimes you just got to read the room and like just knowing you, you're very funny, but I know you're very serious too. And I would think your um, style, your, your personality, you know, you're good at keeping people calm and just kind of like making them laugh or making them smile. I would think that was probably utilized often in your career of just like, you know, maybe people are intimidated and freaked out and you just got to calm the situation down. Um, when you see younger people coming through, like what typically are the traits? Like you, you just went over a few. Uh, what are some of the traits that you think make a good police officer other than, you know, I mean, you know, I would think restraint, like the ability to not act out when you get triggered. What are a few things that you like think about, like that maybe somebody's listening and are like, hmm, I wonder if I have these. How you react in a stressful situation. I mean, I always give the analogy, okay, let's, you add a little bit of pressure to someone and you, let's use this one where you go and see a, a late night horror movie at the movie theater. And it was packed when you got there and the cars parked way out. And then you have that key in your hand and you get out to your key and then you just mind's racing. And you just think it, you've done it a hundred times to put that key in the lock and unlock the door before the key fobs. And you struggle to do it just. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those, um, asking them scenarios. And I mean, my dad had a great scenario where um, he'd ask it in the interview processes. And it was just a cop. You walk in in a gas station at two in the morning and you're sitting there and you have a cup of coffee in your gun hand and you walked in, in the middle of an armed robbery and the guy's got a gun pointed at you with a hostage in front of him. What are you going to do? He says, give me your gun. And my dad's like, there was no right or wrong answer. He just wanted to see if you could make a quick decision and then justify it because a lot of these decisions are made. Like you said, he was just going in to have a cup of coffee and relax and happen to walk in, in the middle of a significant thing. And it's interview questions like that of how are you wishy-washy? Are you say, I don't give up my gun. And, you know, then he just killed the hostage or, you know, if you gave up your gun, way to go. Now you just got yourself and the hostage killed, you know, and it's, it's just one of those interview things where, that's in the course of these interviews where it may get a little bit uncomfortable, but they need to know how you react in a little bit more of a stressful situation because it's kind of like doing the um, simunition training. 
you know, or the fat screening where you get the video screen. Yep. Um, if you're just doing that shooting the laser thing, but some agencies utilize, uh, you know, put a taser to your lower back. And if you get shot, it tases you just to give you an uh, added like nervousness, yeah. heightened, uh, you know, simunition. Yeah. When we do simunition training, when you get shot and you're, and you're wearing gear, it hurts, but it's just one of those things to make it the most realistic without, you know, actually using real bullets. So, yeah, I remember coming out, seeing you in Kalamazoo and I would often beat you up, put you in a headlock. <laughs> and I remember, uh, you react, you don't forget eating grass. You made me eat grass a lot. Yeah. You kind of freaked out, but then you got better at handling those situations where you didn't, uh, you know, get all crazy. So I, I saw, I saw growth in you back in the olden days. That must've been hard though. When a younger cousin comes out from the West coast, and uh, anyways, uh, so how does it work or how does it feel? Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of um, negative publicity around police officers and defunding. And, um, you know, I'm not even a cop, but I, w I get pissed off, you know, and and I and I, I try to see both sides. But like you being a police officer for so long, um, that's got to be difficult. Just the whole, and I don't want to get too political here, but how you've been removed for four or five years, but this must be kind of difficult to see and hear about, you know, all these things that they're doing. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, good police officers, just like a good doctor or whatever is life-saving and they should be honored and celebrated. And I feel like it's the opposite uh, and I know there's some bad people, but like, how does that feel being an ex police officer? Is that piss you off? Does that, um, do you have a different perspective on that? Oh, greatly. Cause I mean, 90% uh, of the 95, you don't see the good, uh, you know, officers very seldom on the local news of the heroic acts of law enforcement that, you know, they're the ones running into the buildings as everybody's running out, you know, and they may be running in, one person, you know, when you're trained running in with four active shooters, you know, and they're ones. And it's it's just one of those that people get, you know, and you hear this thing, oh, they need to be better trained, better trained. Well, you got to remember the, uh, the amount of training officers already have from de-escalation, firearms to first aid to rapid deployment to, I mean, all these trainings. I go, an officer would never be on the street if they were uh experts in every single facet of what they get you know and how they look uh when it comes to a critical incident you know and i mean granted there are ones that like i said i've watched and it's unfortunate but there's bad seeds in every profession and unfortunately it just got glamorized a little bit too much here and people turn but it's and what's happening now in these cities, I um, mean, you can look at any major city that has, I know at times I want to say they care for more for the criminal than they do the police. And they're running at a critical um, low level of staffing. So, I mean, and in law enforcement, it's one of those things that when they're short, they have a thing, uh, you know, uh, that you can be ordered in. So your shift could be ending say, no, we're ordering you to stay, or we're ordering you in tomorrow, depending on your uh, um, collective bargaining agreement. But 
these shortages and the stuff, I mean, like my dad, when he was a cop, I mean, you broke the law, you went to jail, you know, it was one of those that I've got the philosophy that you steal a two cent piece of bazooka bubble gum the first time. Yeah, it should be. Just talk to your parents. But Billy, that's not nice. Billy steals that same two cent piece of gum. Billy, I told you, you know, I'm going to write you this ticket now. And then he steals it again. Oh, Billy, hey, it's the principle. You know, yeah. it's it, you just have to have law and order. Or you just see how um, cities uh, deteriorate uh, the thing. But it does. It, 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 I, I don't watch much news anymore because it's just yeah. one of those that, Hey, I'm retired. Yeah. And in my you know second profession, I see enough of it uh, working as a business agent for the Fraternal Order of Police. So right. it's just, I'm glad I'm out of the uh, industry, put it that way. Yeah. So, that's, I mean, that that's an honest response. So if someone's interested in getting into it, they just need to be cognitive, aware of what they're the, the political landscape and some of the issues, which very well could go away. I mean, you know, some things happen like it's craziness right now, but in five, 10 years, it could be totally different too. Right. I mean, Oh, could, absolutely. And I go like my sheriff's department, I retired, they don't buy into the, the politics. You know what I mean? I represent officers when they in trouble and I go when they screw up. I mean, nowadays everything's on camera, everything's recorded. So, I mean, and you'll say the, the video doesn't lie. But I, you know, and also in the same aspect, use of force for police, how you're trained, you know, they always get this where sometimes use of force doesn't look good on camera. Okay. So, but I'm like, you're trained just like uh, our firing range. We shoot two to center mass. We don't shoot to kill. We shoot to stop the threat. And then you have people say, well, can't you shoot an arm or a leg? But like, well, the reason I shoot center mass is I'm already in a heightened sense of nervousness or whatever I'm involved in. Now I'm responsible for the backdrop. So I try to shoot for the smallest part on a person's body. And I'm responsible for that bullet that goes down a half a mile and uh, hits an innocent person sitting there. So we don't shoot to kill. We shoot to stop the threat. And in use of force things like a baton strike, you know, I was trained you hit them 110, when you pull that out, 110% because they're actually less likely to sustain injury versus you hit them eight, nine times at 40%, you know? So they say use a, yeah. it doesn't look pretty, but that's how they were trained because in the, the scheme of things, the officer needs to go home at night. So, you yep. know. Yep, I get it. Um, I I also think it'd be interesting just like, what was it like, like freedom, uh, your ability to, you know, life work balance? Like, did you miss birthdays at night or holidays? Um, did you find, do you remember having, you, you know, you have kids, do you remember having to leave things that you didn't wish you, I mean, or did you have control of your schedule? Oh, no. See, it's one thing in law enforcement that we're, a, you know, you're a 24-7 operation, 365. So it's not like, you know. Yonkers is open, you know, these business hours, like we're 24 seven. And uh, you may plan on with you get into the career, you're low seniority and low seniority is typically the late night shifts where a lot of shifts now are going to the or police departments to the, excuse me, 12 hour shifts. Um, but you're working 6P. So like our schedule right now, um, 
you work Monday, Tuesday, 12 hours, you're off Wednesday, Thursday, then you work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 12 hour shifts. And then the next week it flops. You're off Monday, Tuesday, work Wednesday, Thursday, off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's one of those things that it, if you're on road patrol, you're working Christmas. I mean, there are some days, you know, that you're heading in on Christmas, you know, day, Christmas Eve, you know, heading into work. And then until you, you know, everybody puts their time in the trenches. And yep. if you get to a specialty division, say the detective bureau or some of these others, and then you may be working a, you know, more of a weekday schedule, a Monday through Thursday, 10 hour shifts, you know, type thing. But it's just one of those things that you just put your time in, you know, and yep. your time will come soon enough that you'll have those same opportunities as, uh, you know, anyone else. So like when you're deep in it, did, <clears throat> did you have the ability to go away for like, what was your vacation per year? Could you go away for two weeks, a year, a month, three weeks? Like, yeah, depending on you your va vacation thing, uh, we have our ship bids that you put your vacation bids in, say, November for the entire next year. So if you had a big trip, um, you know, I can, I can take, depending on how many weeks of vacation you have, like when you first start off, you're going to be front loaded, you know, 40 hours for the first year. And then at 20 years, um, you're going to have 200 hours, you know, per year. And it goes by seniority. So the more vacation you get, the more seniority. So if you have those big trips and then there are some times where they let you do shift trades where, Hey, I need tomorrow off. And you know, your opposite letter me, how about you work for me and then I'll work for you that day. And, uh, they allow us to do that too. So they really try to work with you. Then, you know, if there's something, a big thing that you need, uh, that most places, We'll find a way to make sure you're there if it's something, you know, your kid's graduation or something like that. There's ways yeah. around it. Okay. So as we wind this down, is there anything I haven't asked that I should have, like anything that you think would be really important for somebody who's considering your line of work to know? You know, like it's a rewarding career. Uh, you know, you go in and I, I was never, you know, I wrote maybe one ticket a year. And if it was, it was an attitude ticket, you know, but if I stopped you and you apologize, it's like, I always treat like, there's plenty of people I'd arrest. And by the time we're getting to the jail, you know, I'm just having a conversation with them and we're sitting there. And as I'm booking them in, we're just talking like two old high school buddies sitting there. And, you know, I try to sell it to them that, Hey, everybody makes mistakes, you know, but I'm not going to sit here and rub it in your face, you know, and sit here and it's just one of those that you, you fall on that tutelage that you know treat others how you want to be treated so i was just always i mean i worked in the jail for uh two years up here at kent county while i was still down in van buren so i, I worked uh maximum security so i mean we'd be out my wife and i'd be downtown grand rapids and everybody called me junior and it was one of those that jan's like who is that and i'm like listen if anybody refers to me as junior they, they were uh, an inmate at the Kent County Jail because that was my nickname because I looked like I was 12 when I started. So, but it was one of those I people are, don't you worry? I'm like, no, I always treated people decent, you know? And it's like, there's times if you want to, I mean, tell the one there was this uh, inmate that was just a dick and yeah. nonstop. And so after lockdown, I called you him mean his name? Do you mean his name was Richard? <laughs> Yeah, it was Richard. Okay, <laughs> I just want to make sure. Yeah, it was Richard. 
but he turned around. I pulled him out late night and I just, uh, he just capped and I go, told him, I said, listen, you don't shut your trap. Everybody on the cell block is going to know the real reason you're in here. And he was in there for a child molester. Two things that you know everybody in jail has. They all have kids. They all have a mom. So two, don't make fun of someone's mom. Don't say, you know, child molesters, they don't do well. So it was one of those. But from that point on, you know, hey, Officer DeVell, <laughs> hey, how you doing? You know, same old style. Nobody else needed to know it, but he just needed a little bit more encouragement. So, yeah, I mean, you really, if you're black and white, like very rigid, I would think that it would be a challenging career. But like you, you know, you're fu- like I said, you're funny. I mean, I, I think that really would help aid you. I, I did help aid you in your career. Cause like at the end of the day, these are people, these are humans mm-hmm. and maybe they messed up. Maybe they didn't have the advantages. Some of us did, but they're still humans and they need to be treated even if they've done terrible things. So I have a feeling that's something that you leveraged a lot. If um, one of the questions I ask um, every guest is if you are two questions, one is if you were to rewind the clock and by the way, you came out of high school, where did you go to college? Kalamazoo Valley Community College. Okay, so, so I graduated if, my associate's degree. Yeah. Okay, so if you came back out of there now, knowing like everything you know about the police officer career, would you do it differently, or do you like do you think you would follow the same route? Um, these day and ages, I probably go a different route. That it may not be. If anything, it would be more of a like you get out in the sheriff's department, or but just. Too many overseers in some of these cities, you know, and I, I represent uh, uh, parts of uh, Grand Rapids uh, Command and just the amount of people they allow for politics reasons, because, I mean, nobody's harder on police than their own agency. They, the day, there's no covering up. There is nothing. I have represented plenty of officers that got been terminated you know, over a, a bad decision, split second decision. And it, it's just one of those that, I mean, it's tough because I mean, I just represented someone that was a fantastic cop, made a really poor decision, one decision, you know, boom, out of a job, you know? And it's just one of those that, I mean, if you go into it with the, you have to go into it these day and ages with the mindset that everything you say and do is recorded, you know? Because there are body cams now, there's dash cams, everything is. So, I mean, if you just keep that in the back of your mind, you know, we're back when my dad was a cop, you know, there was no such thing as a, a body camera or any of that stuff. And I go, if you go through it with that mindset, you know, just, hey, you know, just remember everything you say and do is recorded. And how is that going to play out when I'm sitting in the sheriff's office, you know, in a week if they file a complaint on me? No, so this is good stuff. I mean, this, this is, uh, I mean, people need to listen. Like they really need to understand beyond what being a a cop is about, but you have to understand all the stuff that comes with it. And that's really what I try to get into. So if, if, uh, you had to choose a different career, like, is there a dream job? And, and I, and I mean like fantasy land, like, you know, uh, raise the bar. Like, is there something you would love to do? And I ask all my guests this, um, and it's sometimes pretty interesting. Sometimes they give me the safe response and say, I'm doing my dream job, but if you could do anything, uh, is there a job out there that you would love to do? 
you know, when, when I set my mind to it, maybe back in, you know, uh, back in the day, like, so me and my buddy went to go in the Marine Corps to be, we want to be killers, you know, <laughs> we're going in the Marine Corps. And then after that, I was like, huh, thought it through. And then once I put my mind to it and then going through the, all the schools and the training and that stuff, it just intrigued me that, like you said, it was never, I mean, I worked nine hours a day, drove home, uh, showered, and I had a, about a 40 minute drive to school and classes were three, three and a half hours, Monday through Thursday. You know, so I wasn't getting back home to 11 o'clock at night, but it was just one of those that I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it. You know, my first five years of work. And like I said, and I worked seven days a week because I was uh, working up here at the sheriff's department and down the police department. But it was, I never, never was like, I have to go into work. It was just, just part of the thing. You, you went into work. So I'm like, I really didn't. Didn't aspire to be much, really, because I was like, it was my comfortable decision. I knew my dad. I had spent plenty of time in his cruiser. And then once the more I got into it, the more it just intrigued me because I just tend to think I'm fairly quick savvy at the time, you know, and it's just, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You're savvy for Michigan, but like West Coast savvy. Now, you know, I think you bring up a good point because, uh, like I've known you, like you really love the simple things like, you know, hanging out with family, um, you know, going on trips, um, cold beer and my dog, golden retrievers. (laughs) Yeah. Like hanging out with your dogs, drinking beer. Um, you know, I think that's what the secret of life is, is just kind of the simple stuff. Um, so I, I wasn't thinking you would have some elaborate thing, but like, you've always seemed like you've enjoyed from the time I've known you enjoyed what you've done and seems like you're really enjoying it now um i uh yeah i appreciate your time i you know i'm i was excited to have you on as family but also uh again someone i haven't had any police officers on and hoping that people that are watching this uh got a really realistic idea of what the lifestyle is like and um i guess the lesson is be prepared for multiple eyes lots of people watching make sure that you know you cover your you know what because um it seems like a very uh, in the spotlight type of career um and i don't know i'll be the honest my take on that glenn is like we all are human and we all aren't always perfect and we always make mistakes so i would think it would be extremely difficult to be a police officer right now um because you know we're not always batting a hundred uh, yeah. a thousand. So anyways, good job. You've made it through. You did a great job. I know you supported your family and, um, you still look pretty good. <laughs> Thanks cousin. <laughs> uh, all right, buddy. We'll talk all soon. Right. All right. Thanks Glenn. Thanks. Thanks.